0: We have uh, Murat Arjak here.
1: Um, Murat's uh, originally from uh, Turkey, from Bosporus University. I won't even attempt to pronounce the correct no. Turkish name. Uh, he's also studied at Santa Barbara, where he did his master's and PhD degrees with Peter Kokotovic, uh, currently uh, associate professor at Rensselaer Polytech in New York, talking about passivity based stability analysis and biochemical reactions. Thanks, Murat. Thank
0: you okay good afternoon so um, this talk is about passivity based stability analysis which for those of you who have a control background might be standard but I will not be assuming that background uh, at the cost of irritating those control people maybe who are familiar with those ideas and everything I'll present today pretty much was joint work with uh, my co-author Eduardo Sontag So since I'm not assuming any knowledge of passivity, I'll have a short introduction to what passivity means with one or two slides. Uh, So after that overview, I will talk about the so-called secant criterion, which is going to be the starting point for my talk. So the secant criterion is a stability test for networks that have a cyclic interconnection structure. And I'll be more precise about what I mean by a cyclic interconnection structure so that's a local stability test that has existed since the 70s so what i'll do here i'll first tell you what this condition is all about so i'll give an overview of that first and then i'll give you a passivity interpretation of that uh, stability test now with that interpretation we'll be able to go much further than a local stability test First of all, we'll extend it to be a global stability criterion because passivity is not restricted to linear systems. It's also applicable to nonlinear systems. And then the next extension we'll talk about is to reaction diffusion PDEs. We'll see that that this passivity-based stability test also gives you robustness to diffusion, and it comes for free. Not only does it guarantee global asymptotic stability, but it also proves uh, robustness in the presence of diffusion terms. The second, the third part rather, is to extend the stability test from cyclic networks to a general uh, network topology that is described by a graph. And in my opinion this is the biggest uh, extension that this passivity interpretation gives us. So from, we start with the cyclic and we extend it to be global and then we consider reaction diffusion PDEs and we can actually extend these to general graphs not necessarily cyclic networks and we get new stability tests and the cyclic becomes a special case and I'll talk about how that becomes a special case and then the more general network structures I will illustrate the application of this test with several examples that are motivated by biological networks and then I'll give you some conclusions. So first, passivity and what it means. So, passivity is an input-output property, so what you see here with the block H is possibly a set of differential equations. It describes the behavior of a dynamic system. And U is an input signal, so it appears in the differential equations, and Y is an output of that system, okay? And we assume we have a square system in the sense that you have as many outputs as the number of inputs, and the system is called passive if we can find a non-negative function of the state variables s of x which is called a storage function with the property that when you take the derivative along the trajectories of this system the time derivative it has to be less than or equal to the inner product of the input and the output okay that's the definition of passivity now why is it called passivity and why is this called a storage function you can all often come up with an energy interpretation of these things. If you interpret the inner product of the input and the output as the power that is being supplied to the system, then you can think of s of x as the energy stored in the system. So what this inequality is telling you is that the system can absorb the power that is supplied to it, or perhaps it can dissipate it because you have an inequality, but you'll not be adding your own energy. In that sense, it's passive. Okay? It's because of this interpretation that such systems will be called passive. The simplest example of a passive system is a linear first-order block uh, in this form, where this coefficient a is positive, making it stable in the absence of an input. Now, if you take as a storage function 1 half y squared, the time derivative of that storage function is y times the derivative of y, which is this, right? Now, because a is positive, this term is less than or equal to 0, so this storage function satisfies the dissipation inequality we want. Now, there are further ramifications of passivity. In the situation where this holds with equality, then it's called a lossless system. And in the situation where on top of this you have a negative term in the outputs, then it's called output strictly passive. So in this particular example, the lossless case would correspond to the case where a is equal to zero because then s dot is equal to the inner product of y and u. And if a is positive, it gives you a, uh, output strictly passive system because you have a strict negativity in terms of the output. Uh, more complicated examples include some mechanical systems, you can take the Euler-Lagrange system where Q consists of the vector of generalized positions and Q dot is the velocities. And you can show that this system is passive if you take the torque, this is the torque, right? If you take the torque as the input and if you take the velocity as the output then you can show passivity by using a storage function of this form. And this storage function is nothing but an energy function. This p of q is the potential energy, and the first term is the kinetic energy, and it shows the energy dissipation in the system. But what input you take and what output you take are important. In this particular case, the output has to be the velocities. Okay, so that's a quick overview of what passivity is all about. Um, Now, the reason why it's it's used very frequently in control theory is because of its relation to stability of interconnected systems. So there is this passivity theorem that was proven in the 60s by Zames and Sandberg independently, which states the following in a simplified form. So if you have two passive dynamic systems interconnected in a negative feedback loop, And if you know that each one of them is passive with a positive definite storage function then the interconnection will remain stable despite the interconnection. Right, so each one is a stable passive system and their interconnection has to be stable. Um, The way to show this is actually quite simple um, and it also shows you a way to construct a Lyapunov function for the interconnected system. You simply take the sum of the storage functions for each block The first one satisfies S1 dot less than or equal to the product of U1 and Y1 and S2 similarly satisfies the same thing. Now, if you look at the interconnection, U1 is actually negative Y2 and U2 is Y1, right? So these two terms here are actually the same things except for a sign reversal so they cancel each other. So from the storage functions, you have constructed a Lyapunov function for the closed loop system, okay? So that's one of the nice things. It leads to some... Constructive design procedures where along the way you build the Lyapunov function from storage functions Now this would be totally obvious for those of you who have control backgrounds and Know about phase and so on, but I'm not assuming that so if you have Three or more blocks in the feedback interconnection, you can't expect passivity to save the day Okay Um, A very simple example of this would be if I took first-order linear blocks which as I've shown in the previous slide, are passive systems, right, because of this negative term and this gamma is a non-negative coefficient, right and if I interconnect, let's say, three of them then I claim that if the product of those gains, gamma 1, gamma 2, gamma 3, is bigger than 8 this interconnection is unstable Mm -hmm. so despite the fact that each block is passive you have three of these interconnections and it is unstable, okay and it's because you don't have this kind of simple cancellation in that case and um, now what is so mystical about this number 8 will become clear it will be de- demystified in a couple of slides from now Okay. and also we will uh, show a general result which under additional restrictions on these blocks we achieve pa- uh, stability of the interconnected system basically we need output strict feedback passivity and we need some restrictions on Uh, the excess of passivity that we need and all of this will be clear a couple of slides from now. Now the starting point in this talk again is this so-called secant criterion for stability of cyclic networks. So first of all what is a cyclic network? A cyclic biochemical reaction network is one where you have a number of species where each species activates the formation of the next one. So you have a chain of these. And then the last in the row goes back and inhibits the formation of the first okay, so you have a negative feedback uh, cyclic reaction network. A simple example is this, this comes from a mitogen activated protein kinase network so this is the active phosphorylated form of protein M1 and it activates the formation of the active form of M2 and likewise and the active form of M3 goes back and inhibits the formation of M1. So this is the kind of feedback we are talking about and when you see these dashed Lines, that means inhibition, it's a negative feedback, okay? And positive lines in these uh, diagrams represent positive feedback. Solid lines mean positive feedback, they mean activation. Okay, so that's the structure of the network. Now, why why is the interest in the cyclic uh, networks? Uh, This class of systems have a very interesting property. Um, They satisfy a Poincare-Bendixson type of condition. So there is a Poincare-Bendixson theorem for this class of systems that does not depend on the order of the system. So it can be an arbitrary order, but because of the cyclic structure you know that bounded trajectories will converge to steady states or to periodic orbits. And moreover even stronger than the standard Poincare-Bendixson theorem when when you have a negative feedback structure like this one the possibility of homoclinic and heteroclinic orbits are also ruled out. So that gives you with a very simple set of behaviors, which is convergence to a fixed point or convergence to a periodic orbit. And because of this property, these systems have an affinity for generating periodic orbits. Right? They are ready to give you oscillations. Okay, it's a very interesting mathematical property. It was proven in 1990 by John Mallet-Parré and Hal Smith. Um, And this is not just a mathematical curiosity, it has been observed or hypothesized in a lot of biological systems. The more recent examples of these come from cellular signaling, this is again a MAP kinase network. Uh, Recently Kolodanko and Schwarzman argued that a negative feedback from here to the formation of the first active form may be responsible for oscillations. In gene regulation, these have been studied even further in the past. It dates back to the famous work of Jacob and Monod in 1961 where they uh, studied repression mechanisms in uh, transcription of DNA into messenger RNA. And following their description in 1965, Goodwin built a differential equation model that basically implements this type of reaction network. So S0 here is the DNA. So this is the transcription which results in messenger RNA and this leads to a chain of reaction uh, which creates enzymes and the last enzyme goes back and inhibits the transcription. So what Goodwin did is he built a third order model assuming S3 is the last enzyme and he showed that this cyclic network actually generates oscillations. Um, following their work there have been dozens of papers studying cyclic networks and some of those led to the secant criterion that I'll be talking about shortly but among those I want to single out the recent work of Elowitz and Leibler in the sense that this is not just analysis, these authors are actually building synthetic oscillators um, in vivo using this theory of uh, cyclic systems and they showed some oscillations and also in metabolic pathways, cyclic systems have been known for a long time and they are discussed in some of these papers and in the book by Stephanopoulos. Now following this work the secant criterion was formulated to test the local stability of these networks. So it was done by Tyson and Othman in in 1978 and later Throne uh, in 1991 came up with another proof and kind of extended the criterion. So for us what this uh, secant criterion means is the following. So when you have a cyclic reaction network and if you linearize it about the fixed point the structure has this form because of the cyclic nature of the network and because of the linearization you have first order linear blocks in each one of these, blo- in each one of these boxes and the blocks have these forms, uh, they are first order linear Tau's are some time constants and gamma are numbers uh, non-negative coefficients. The, according to the Secant criterion the closed loop system is stable if the product of these gains is less than secant pi over n raised to the power n and secant being 1 over cosine is always larger than 1 so the quantity you have on the right hand side is always larger than 1 okay if n is equal to 2 that becomes infinity if n is equal to 3 that number is 8 because you are looking at 1 over cosine pi over 3 raised to the power 3 which is 2 to the power 3 which is 8 for n equal to 4, it becomes 4, and it goes down to 1 as go- n goes to infinity. Okay? So what we did is we were sort of comparing this to the other criterion, which is called the small gain criterion in control theory, which would have given you 1 in the right-hand side, and obviously this is much less restrictive than that, so we were trying to understand what that really means, and in the end we interpreted this condition to be actually a passivity-based condition which takes into account the phase properties of the blocks. So, unlike this local criterion where these blocks are first order linear blocks, in our extension, these are general blocks. They can be anything, they can even be infinite dimensional. The only restriction is that they satisfy this output strict passivity property. It is passive because I have the product of input and output, and it's output strictly passive because of this negative y squared term here and the relative strength of these terms is in embedded in this number gamma okay? and if the product of these numbers gamma satisfies this condition then the interconnection is stable. That's our main result. Okay? So that's an extension of the passivity theorem if you want because you can have arbitrary number of blocks but as you see passivity is not enough you also need this condition on you need output strict passivity to start with and you also need this condition on the gains. Okay. So with this, we also construct the Lyapunov function for the closed loop system and that consists of a weighted sum of the storage functions for each block and in our paper we give a procedure to construct those numbers and we show that whenever the secant condition holds there exists a set of non-negative coefficients d which makes the derivative of this Lyapunov function negative definite. Okay. Um, now this secant condition in the linear case is a sufficient condition for asymptotic stability. It's not necessary. But in this special case where the time constants for each block are identical, it's also necessary. So it's a necessary and sufficient (coughs) condition in this case. That's why in my example back on slide 2, I claimed instability when the product of the gains is larger than 8 because that's when it's a necessary and sufficient condition. That way I could claim instability when it failed. Because the time constants here are the same, right? They're all 1. Okay, so how do we apply, this is conceptually nice, but how do we actually go ahead and apply this to a cyclic reaction network which gives us nonlinear equations? So here's what we do, so this is the general form of a cyclic reaction network uh, with nonlinearities included, so x1 is the concentration of the first species upstream, right, and x1 activates x2 through this function h1 of x1. And this function H1 is an increasing function, which means activation. Okay? And H2 is also an increasing function. And all these functions H are increasing functions, which means that each species is activating the next one. Now the function Hn here is a decreasing function, which means that Xn is inhibiting the formation of X1. Okay? That's how you should interpret the increasing and decreasing properties. So we would like to apply the secant criterion by dividing up the network into blocks like this right so each block comes from one of the species as the output we select hi of xi and we change the sign for the last block because then it's a decreasing function by making it uh, giving it a negative sign it becomes also an increasing function and that way we recover the interconnection structure here where we have a negative sign right so this framework applies the key problem is to be able to apply this condition, I need to verify that each block satisfies this output, strict feedback, output streak passivity property. How do I verify it? Right? The biggest challenge here is that the equilibrium, the, the fixed point you have, is not at zero, right It's at some point that is determined by the network, and it's very difficult to know where that steady state is. It is easy to infer that there is a unique steady state, and there exists one but knowing the location is very difficult so whatever test we apply to prove the output streak passivity property should not depend on the knowledge of the equilibrium if it is, it's not really practically re- applicable so we have given a condition that does not rely on the knowledge of this x star which denotes the uh, location of the steady state okay? so what we do to, to be able to circumvent that is we use the properties of these linearities our assumptions are that f divided by g is a decreasing function which as the next examples will illustrate is a meaningful assumption and if this is the case then we show that the ratio of these two when you take the supreme o- o- all x gives us an estimate on this number gamma which needs to satisfy the secant criterion okay? moreover we construct a storage function in this form um, this is a conceptual storage function because it actually depends on x star which we don't know But it does satisfy the properties that you want from a storage function. So as a conceptual result, it's still useful. So all you have to do is to... Oops. Alright, alright, it's back. Don't panic, it's back. Okay. So that's the condition, okay? So we have to check those properties and we have to calculate gammas according to this and we have to check if the product of the gammas is less than this secant formula, right? So here is an example that goes back to the MAP kinase example okay so this is here you actually see six species right you would expect a sixth order model but you can see that there's a conservation law between the inactive form of the same protein and the active form the sum is conserved right so using this conservation you can actually reduce the order uh, down to three Um, so after normalization uh, after actually non-dimensionalization and normalizing the sum of the uh, two quantities equal to one Uh, X1 denotes the concentration of the active form of this, and 1 minus X1 is the concentration of the inactive form. Okay, so we get a third order model. Now, how do I see that X1 activates X2? Because of this term here, which plays the role of the function H1 of X1. Uh, X2 activates X3, and I see that through this term. Um, Now, how do I see that X3 inhibits X1? that's because of this nonlinear term here which is a decreasing function of x3 and how sharp that decrease is depends on the coefficient k so what we did here is a numerical uh, illustration of the secant criterion we took these coefficients from the paper by Schwarzman that was published in 2001 except for k and we played around with k to see how sharp a decrease can we allow and still uh, maintain global stability so when we apply our secant test Uh, We show that k can be as large as 4.35 and below that gain you always have global asymptotic stability according to our uh, global secant criterion. And we also know that if we apply the small gain estimate the number would be much more conservative, it would be 3.9 So secant saves the day in a sense, it makes things more relaxed. And we know that there is a bifurcation at k equal to 5.1 At that point, you even lose local stability, right? So you can't expect global stability anyway, right? So you should not interpret this condition as a means of trying to reach that uh, bifurcation number k because those are different things. Bifurcation is local, whereas the sequent criterion gives us global asymptotic stability, right? You can lose one before the other happens. So the next example shows this. Now, it's... It should be clear to this audience that local asymptotic stability does not mean global asymptotic stability But for certain classes of systems, it does happen For special classes of systems, including linear systems, local means global So the question is, because the cyclic systems have nice properties, simple dynamics because of the Poincaré-Bendixson property Is it possible that local implies global? Unfortunately, the answer is no, otherwise the result I presented would be no use, right? Because local would mean global so local conditions, local to be in a cyclic system does not rule out the possibility of periodic orbits and here's an example that illustrates this. This was constructed by me in response to a reviewer who raised this question. So here is the here's a third order system, cyclic and phi is a decreasing function. The formula is complicated, I came up with it to make things work. All right, so it's a contrived example. Now this nonlinearity is designed in such a way that when its argument is 1, the value is 1. Okay, and because of that, this, the fixed point of this network is at x equal to 1. x1, x2, x3, they're all equal to 1, so x star is 1, 1, 1, right? Now, if I linearize at this point and apply the local secant criterion, the slope at that point, when I look at the slope of the non-linearity here, it's 7.5, which is less than 8, that which is the number stipulated by secant criterion for n equal to 3. Right, so we have local stability, local asymptotic stability of that uh, steady state according to the secant criterion. But numerical simulation shows that in addition to that equilibrium, a periodic orbit coexists. Okay, so for small enough perturbations you go back to the equilibrium. For larger deviations from the equilibrium, you go back, uh, you converge to a periodic orbit. So the two can coexist, so it's indeed useful and meaningful to pursue a global stability test for cyclic systems. Next slide is about an extension to reaction diffusion partial differential equations. Now this notation means derivative, partial derivative with respect to time. Okay. This part is the same as before. These are the reaction equations. And at the end we add Laplacians that correspond to diffusion terms. So the question is um, it is known in mathematical biology literature. Uh, that an otherwise stable reaction network can be destabilized by diffusion terms. There, There is a simple second order example that was constructed by Turing in the 50s. So the question is, does such instabilities occur in this case? And our answer to this is, when we prove stability for the reaction part of it using the Secant criterion, a byproduct of this is robustness to diffusion. So diffusion will not lead to any diffusive instabilities. If you prove stability for the reaction part in the presence of diffusion, the homogeneous the steady state, right, where each uh, species has the same value across the space, uh, that homogeneous uh, fixed point is actually also asymptotically stable. That comes for free as a byproduct of the secant criterion. Okay, so there's one more technical assumption that guarantees this, which is that these g functions be non-increasing functions. Um, so no diffusive instabilities in this case, and these are some simulations from the previous map kinase example where we added one dimension, one spatial dimension to it, which is C. So the diffusion happens across, and you see that they all converge to zero. This was after the equilibrium values 1 was subtracted. Okay, so diffusion is handled for free by the secant condition. The third part is about extending this condition from cyclic networks to uh, general networks that are described by a graph. Uh, Now we have as many nodes in the graph as the number of species involved. And then we have a number of links which connect the interacting species. So with this, the model looks like this. So basically, this this model is trying to extend uh, this kind of model here, which obeys the cyclic structure. We want to go beyond that structure, right? So this is the general structure. So for each species, you have this equation. And the set Li represents the uh, the nodes that have arrows pointing into this node, right? So for each of those, we add a function h of X, X being the source of that link. Okay? So this encompasses the cyclic structure, but it's broader. It applies to a general uh, network. So Li is the set of links for which node i is the sync. Um, and we also assign signs to this graph. We assign a positive sign if H is an increasing function because it's activation, and we assign a negative sign if it's a decreasing function because it's inhibition. So our main theorem says the following. Under the conditions of lemma star, which was the, the lemma that proved output strict passivity, uh, without knowledge of the equilibrium point, um, the steady state of the network is asymptotically stable if a certain matrix, which I will come back and talk about more, about, is diagonally stable. And what does diagonal stability mean? It means that you can find a diagonal matrix D, such that D times E, the symmetric part of D times E, is negative definite. Okay, so that's what the diagonal stability means and if this holds then the network is asymptotically stable. So what this matrix does is the following. So first of all the dimension of the matrix is m by m where m is the number of links. So it's the number of links that matters not the number of nodes interestingly. Okay? And then we have these numbers 1 over gamma where gamma is found as before. Remember the lemma we had a way of calculating those gammas. We do the same exact things those gammas appear in the diagonals with a negative sign which make it more likely to satisfy this condition but then we have off diagonal terms that are determined by the structure of the network and also by the signs of the links, whether they're activation terms or uh, inhibition terms. Uh, I will illustrate the construction of this matrix with examples rather than talk more about it that should clarify it more in this case, the Lyapunov function we construct has the same form. Again, it has the form of a weighted sum of storage functions. And the weights come from the entries of this diagonal matrix D in the previous slide, right? So that's why we have this D matrix here. The diagonal entries of those matrix serve as the weights in this Lyapunov function construction. And the storage functions have the same form as in Lemma star. So everything is as before, we just changed the network structure and we came up with a new stability test which actually encompasses the sequent criterion in the cyclic case. Um, So this is a Lyapunov function and we can prove global asymptotic stability if V is a proper Lyapunov function as is standard in nonlinear systems literature. Or even if it's not proper, if the trajectories remain in a compact level set because a lot of times in biological networks you can prove independently that the uh, trajectories are bounded, so if you can show that they live in a compact set of this Lyapunov function, this implies global asymptotic stability. So even though I'm looking at a linear type of condition for this matrix, I'm actually trying to prove global stability. Right? This is only a way of using the dissipative properties of the blocks. Proof follows from Lemma-star and uh, some tools for dissipativity criteria for large-scale systems that can even be traced back to Moylan and Hill and Sandberg and Vidya Sagar in the late 70s. So, now let's go back and look at the cyclic structure as a special case of this, right? This is the network structure in the cyclic case. We have all these species uh, and we have a negative uh, link from Xn back to X1. And this is what the matrix E looks like in this case. Again, these appear in the uh, diagonals. Now, let's look at the off diagonals. Now, if I look at the first link, right? The first link sees link n at its tail, right? and this is a negative link too. That's why in the nth place you see a negative 1. The off diagonals are plus or minus 1 depending on whether the links are positive or negative. If I look at link 2, link 2 at its tail has link 1, and link 1 is a positive node, that's why you see a plus 1 in this place. right? And then this goes on like this for the rest of the links, so it has a very special structure. Right? And in this case, we had shown in our earlier work that diagonal stability of this class of matrices with this structure and with this sign structure is equivalent to the, to the secant criterion. So the new test I have given you on the previous slide encompasses the secant criterion as a special case, but it's broader in the sense that it can be applied to general networks with general structures. So here are some examples, some other examples that are not of the cyclic structure that have different uh, structures, right? So this was a model of, again, MAP kinase uh, networks that was proposed recently. The authors are proposing different feedback mechanisms to explain the different behavior they're observing. The first structure they are looking at is when the activation is by epidermal growth factors. And in that case, in addition to this negative feedback that um, Schwarzman and Kolodanko had already proposed they are also suggesting a negative feedback from x3 to x2 okay and then in the situation where the activation is by neuronal growth factors they take the feedback here to be a positive feedback and this negative feedback loop remains so what would I get if I applied my generalized uh, dissipativity condition to these forms first of all the matrices will have as many uh, the dimension of the matrices will be determined by the number of links which in each case is equal to 4, right? So I'm expecting 4 by 4 matrices and that's exactly what I get. So I calculate the numbers gamma 1, gamma 2, etc according to the lemma that I had shown earlier and I construct these matrices right? Again the structure is as I explained before, these terms go to the diagonals before, because link 1 sees link 4 with a negative sign you have negative 1 in the fourth place link 2 has both link 1 and link 3 coming in to its source right? so you see 1 with a positive sign and 3 with a negative sign here and so on, that's the structure and this one has a similar structure, the only difference is the negative one here becomes positive one because this link has now changed its sign Okay. so under this structure what does the diagonal stability look like? Right, so is there a simple formula for diagonal stability for these structures that resembles perhaps the secant criterion that we had for the cyclic structure? Turns out the answer is yes. For this structure, we can show that this matrix is diagonally stable if the product of gamma 1, gamma 2, and gamma 4 is less than 8 which is secant power 3 raised to the power 3 which is basically a secant condition for the outer loop. The inner loop doesn't affect the diagonal stability condition. If you look at the other one, again, the product of these gains has to be less than one which is a small gain condition for the outer loop okay? and it, this follows because of the structure of this matrix which has uh, non-negative off-diagonals uh, other than this one, but that doesn't really matter so in each case we have necessary and sufficient conditions for diagonal stability and in each case Gamma 3 plays no role in those even though there is an inner loop that doesn't affect the diagonal stability Uh, condition. Now there is a third structure that these authors proposed where they said if you observe over a longer period of time you also see an activation from the first protein to the third one. Now with this addition, so that brings us a fifth link, right? So the matrix now becomes five by five and the structure is fundamentally changed. So in this case I don't know of it's necessary and sufficient condition for diagonal stability. I only know a necessary condition which is obtained as follows now for a matrix to be diagonally stable all of its principal sub matrices must also be diagonally stable. That's a trivial result to prove. Now if I close the third row, right, just eliminate the third row and the third column, the resulting 4 by 4 matrix has only non-negative off diagonals. Now, for this class of system, it's the Metzler matrix, so you can apply uh, spectral tests, you can apply M matrix conditions, and so on. And so you can get a necessary and sufficient condition for diagonal stability for this submatrix, which is exactly this one. This comes from a determinant test for the submatrix. Now, for the full matrix, this is only a necessary condition. It's not sufficient, right? And as in the previous examples, it does not depend on gamma 3, but then the question is, does the exact condition the necessary and sufficient condition. Does it depend on gamma 3? As of this moment I don't have a result for the diagonal stability of this. I don't have a necessary and sufficient condition. But I have numerical tests that I applied to it and it shows that there is actually dependence on gamma 3. Right? This is only a necessary condition. If you look at the exact region of stability in the parameter space gamma 3 does play a role. Uh, to see this what we de- do. We use an LMI toolbox in MATLAB. We fix gamma one to be one, and gamma two and gamma five to be 0.5. And if we look at the necessary condition with these three restrictions, it will tell me that gamma four should be less than one. But that's only a necessary condition, right? And the exact diagonal stability region determined numerically has this is this shaded area, and you can see that it's 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 a subset subset of the. Uh, region gamma 4 less than 1, which is the necessary condition. So you see a dependence on gamma 3. Yes? To
1: ask a couple of questions? One is, that general result for uh, general connectivity, if, I, if we apply, one applies it to a linear system, is it, do you recover standard results in that case? Or is it, it's
0: conser- it has to be conservative in this case because I'm looking at diagonal stability, which is far more restrictive than stability. But the advantage of this is I'm actually looking at a nonlinear system. Only I'm only concentrating on stability properties of smaller blocks and looking at the interconnection. So for a linear system, it would be conservative.
1: Uh, and, and to that actually, so that the diagonal stability depends on geometry there, but does right. the action system go unstable. What's that? Does that diagonal stability bound correspond to instability of the nonlinear
0: system? I have not checked that. That's a good question. I have not checked that. It's possible that it won't. You know. Nonlinear linear systems, you prove stability under such and such conditions very often those conditions are not even needed, but how do you know, right? Um, another thing of interest here is that this, look at the scale for gamma 3 it goes from 0 to 200, whereas this goes from 0 to 2 when I first plotted this from 0 to 2, it looks flat I thought my necessary condition was sufficient as well but when I kept extending the scale, I realized that there is dependence on gamma 3 But this dependence is actually weak. For a long time it's flat and then it slowly decreases. So gamma 3 does play a role, but it's not as significant a role as the other parameters. Which is an interesting question in general, right? Given a graph, which, which gains play a bigger role in stability than others? How does this connect with the structure of the graph, right? These are interesting questions and I don't have answers to them. The last example is a branch pathway that is motivated by metabolic networks. In metabolic networks you see those structures where something breaks into different branches and then you see very often uh, inhibition terms from the end products. So we took this as a toy example and we looked at the dissipative matrix for this case because we have seven links in this case the matrix is seven by seven again we have the diagonals the structure comes from the structure of the network and the signs uh, you see that there are two negative ones those are because of these two right and you don't see any other negative signs and for this structure we can prove that um, diagonal stability is necessary and sufficient the necessary and sufficient condition for diagonal stability is this one so this you look at the loop gains for each each of the two loops and you add them up and the sum should be less than secant power over 4 raised to the power of 4 simply because 4 is the number of hops in each Uh, in each loop, and that's a a necessary and sufficient condition for this particular structure. And there is nothing special about 4, I can keep extending the numbers, as long as the number of uh, the hops in each loop is the same, this formula applies with 4 replaced by general n. So for this particular structure, this is a necessary and sufficient condition, so A quick summary of what I talked about, we started with the secant criterion which is a local stability test for cyclic networks. We gave a passivity interpretation which allowed us to go much farther than this local test. First we made it into a global test then we were able to extend it to general network structures using the diagonal stability formalism that I just talked about and we also saw in the process that robustness to diffusion comes for free when you use these Uh, stability criteria. Uh, There are several remaining problems. One of them is what are some um, conditions, what are some formulas for diagonal stability of matrices in special forms. We know answers for very specific cases that I talked about but there are many other structures, sparse structures, that are motivated by biological circuits and those are very recurrent. If you look at metabolic networks, cell signaling networks, same types of structures keep appearing. So for those structures, it would be interesting, for uh, practically relevant structures, it would be interesting to come up with formulas for diagonal stability. And also, in none of the results I talked about, did I include time delay? Now, there are small gain conditions for testing stability of networks, and small gain is robust to arbitrary delays. You put an arbitrarily large amount of delay, the small gain criterion will give you robustness to it, right? Now, these passivity-based tests are far more relaxed than small gain tests, but they don't allow delays. So the question is, what is in between? If I know that I have only so much delay, do I want to be so conservative to look at the small gain condition? And I know that the passivity-based case is a little too relaxed for that, because it hasn't included time delay. So can somebody come up with formulas that are in between the two? And how would you do that? So that's another interesting problem. So those are the three papers that this talk was based on. It started with this 2006 paper and later with my uh, friend from graduate school, Mihailo, who is now at the University of Minnesota, we extended it to PDEs for the diffusion. And then this paper, which just appeared a few months ago, extended it to general network structures from the cyclic structure. Uh, so those are the co-authors. Now in addition to biochemical reaction networks I have interest in many other types of networks as well, and I'm particularly interested in what, what exists at the intersection of these things. So what are some of the mathematical tools that can be applied to all? And the passivity approach that I talked about actually came from these types of networks. We were looking into internet congestion control problems. That's when I realized that passivity would be a useful method to to apply to guarantee stability and later on I've been looking into other types of networks and the same types of tools proved to be very useful. So I think we need a lot more tools than just passivity that can be applied to different types of networks. And I'm here tomorrow as well so if anybody has any interest in any one of these networks or anything else, I'm happy to talk to you. Okay, Thank you for your attention. Yes?
1: The examples you showed at the end, you know, there's some fourth order examples where you had if and only if conditions for diagonal stability. In those examples, do they all have the property that the diagonal stability boundary and the horizontal stability boundary coincide?
0: No, actually they don't coincide. The trick is this, how did I even get, for example here, how did I even get the necessary and sufficient condition, right? So the trick is this, so if I close the third row and the third column, What remains is the Metzler matrix, Mm -hmm. right? This is exactly the the diagonal stability condition for the Metzler matrix. Now, when I go back to the full matrix, why is this also sufficient? That's because of a symmetry here. You see the third row and third column introduces one here and negative one here. So then then they're equivalent, right? The sub-matrix already proves diagonal stability for the full. And I have the same type of thing here for these two. And the same trick also saves the day here in the metabolic case If I'm remembering correctly, there was some kind of symmetry that I used although I can't remember exactly right now yeah. So that was a special case where we got lucky, I don't have general answers right. Yes.
1: If you generalize this where you have multiple branches, not just two is that still fine? Do you still get a
0: condition like this? or um, Under, yeah, partially yes Yeah, it's funny. So if if I only have one branch here and then if I branch out into m number of cycles, then it's fine. Mm -hmm. Actually, the general formula in this case is look at the gains of each loop. Divide by secant pi over n raised to the power n for the relative n for the the number of hops in that loop. And add them up. The sum should be less than 1. Okay, so there's such a nice thing. But the moment I have two of these before the branch point it breaks down. So the key in the structure is I have one common link yep. before the branch point. Once you have two, there is no such thing. Yeah, so
1: each loop has a well-defined. Right. Point.
0: Right. Yes.
1: Um, this tool will be useful in decentralized control design.
0: Yes. Um, I've actually used passivity as a tool for uh, decentralized con- uh, control design in communication networks and also in cooperative vehicle networks. But it's not the same secant condition. There we observed another structure which without the output strict passivity because of the structure of the interconnection gives us uh, stability. I mean passivity as a general tool is useful but this particular secant condition I didn't find a use in it in these but there might be one I just didn't find one. Okay, so thanks
1: once again. You, you've given a number of different stability conditions for biological examples. And is there any? Do, do, uh, do real you know to the experimental biologists? have they ever compare them they the meet those conditions, or do they violate them, or? Have for
0: cyclic, them? yes, uh, but they mainly look at the local condition. So the global is a more restrictive condition.
1: Hmm. But but in terms of experiments, if you see it predicting a, a, for example, our real systems.
0: I mean, it has to be conservative, so mm-hmm. th- that's a fact. But on the other hand, um, for example, the, the synthetic design of Elowitz and Leibler, mm-hmm. it follows the, the structure of a cyclic network and their data seems to show oscillations and it's consistent with the local stability criterion. So, but even the local stability criterion can be conservative if the time constants are vastly different. Thanks once again. Thank
1: you.